are in a simulation. Life is not real. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to the Sound of Vision podcast. Talking about the Matrix today. So, before we get into the Matrix, though, have we got any news? I've got some news. Huh? Oh, you do have yeah. news. What's yeah. the news? Uh, well, I got three bits. But uh, some of them, and we I don't care. ourselves. All right. It's 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 me. Everyone, listen to me. Have I got news for you? <laughs> this is really disconcerting. <laughs> it's Solomon and James, and there's no one else. There's no one else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's only me, James, and Jay today. <laughs> um. Anyway. We're, enough about that. Let's talk about film news. <laughs> okay. Um, so I don't care what anyone else says about this. I'm excited as hell for this documentary. Not documentary, fucking hell. I'm excited for the show. Sam is you, are, you are excited for a certain documentary. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll get to that later. Um, Sam Esmail, director, most known for being the director. No, the creator, uh, the writer for most of, and the director of every episode of season two onwards of uh, Mr. Robot. After since kind of not having any major projects, he's had a massive uh, hand in since the end of the show, uh, late 2019. He shall be working on a TV adaptation of Metropolis, a classic 90s, yeah, Metropolis, and he will be writing and directing um every episode and i'm not sure if either you're aware mr robot but like i feel like i'm doing metropolis getting a reboot would get many film fans but oh what's the point i know i'm always like everything's a reboot sam as i don't fucking care i don't care what that guy puts his project to i'm like but he's mr. that's robot, tv that's not yeah. no no it's, bring us the film well, it's, it's based on a film it's based on a film and I don't. Yeah, care. but lots of things are based on films. No, films. Uh, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's based on a comic book. What? Metropolis well, is a comic book. Metropolis is. We're talking about Superman, aren't we? No. <laughs> the classic 1920s like sci-fi film, Metropolis. No, Metropolis. That's where Superman's from. From I, I've missed I've missed your dynamic here, Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to me, Sam Esmail um, is Sam Esmail, and like he just I I don't think you can name a single director. This guy for three years directed every single episode of Mister Robot, and also within that had another TV show which he directed every single episode of the first season of, and he's working on a film. And he's making the show. Like, he has more drive and engine than anything. And I think the fact that he has this much of a control in this, I think it's going to be great. I think what he does with genre is amazing. I think his level of detail is amazing. I think how Mr. Robot is a show where it's like, it does, it takes him so much, but it makes a whole new point with that. It completely transformed to the media. I, I do think he's, just for Mr. Robot alone, like one of the, he's just a fair Bible genius. And, uh, you know, I look forward to, him proving to continue to be that uh, with this. Obviously, there's a slight fear he'll fuck this up and it'll be like Mr. Robot was this one special 
was his one good show, but even if that was, that still makes him, I think, better what, than most directors good? alive today. What's his other good sort of things he's done? That's a bold statement, James. Anyway, I think you put him next to some of the greatest directors of all time. He, he is up there, artistically. But what else has he made which is On good? one project. One project that was spanned three, four seasons. Hmm. So it's basically equivalent of making like 10 movies. And like I said, you're not getting to see directed every single episode from season two onwards. Yeah. And wrote the majority of them. And it's such a like, it's a piece of media that takes on so many forms. There's other big things he did season one of Homecoming. The Amazon thing, not the Spider-Man thing. Um, well, I mean, to be I just fair, said you can't, I, he's made one good series. Doesn't mean he's he made the, the best show. He made the greatest series of all time. And if you're comparing it to directors, it like amounts to like 10 movies worth of content. Is it the greatest TV series of all time, though? He did. Did, yes. he, did he actually direct the Twin Peaks Return? I don't think so. That was the greatest director of all time. I don't think he directed Ozymandias, the greatest TV show episode ever. What was that? Anyway, what, no. what was Ozymandias? Yeah. It's one of the final episodes of Breaking Bad, and I'm just putting it out there, hot take, the final eight episodes of Breaking Bad are piss. Well, we're not talking about that. We're talking about yeah. movie news, and we're oh, talking yeah. about also, TV shows. Other movie news. Um, director Sean... Well, Jesus Christ, I'm, we might need... I feel bad going from this to such a serious subject, but um, director Sean Penn will be doing a documentary... And he's filming it right now on the Ukraine. You know, it's happening in Ukraine with oh, the yeah, Russian yeah. invasion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it'll be produced by Vice. Um, I guess I just want to say this because, yes, the good Vice thing to know about... are never very informative, I'd say. No, I think they're not. But I feel like with Ukraine, you know, I, you'd hope. I think Sean Penn has worked outside of Vice and done some good stuff. So there's that hope that it would be. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think Vice is a problem of like not actually looking at the, it will get clips and it will get clips of stuff, but it's really bad at giving background context for any of it, isn't it? Like I remember I watched another one of their documentaries on like Ukraine and it was a different thing. It was when the current prime president was getting in and it would interview people about who, what they thought of him and what they thought this would do. But they didn't really explain any of the political background besides there has been strife. So I like, it's just someone saying, oh, I like him because of this. And it's like, but I don't know what any of these things are. Boy, this was an awkward segment. <laughs> um, and in third news, Sam Elliott has um, taken recent criticism towards, you know, Sam Elliott, the actor, towards um, no. Power of the Dog. Sam right. Elliott. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, I saw this. Yeah. Yeah, um, stating in an interview, what the fuck does this woman... She's a brilliant director, by the way. I love her previous work. But what the fuck does this woman from down there, New Zealand, know about the American West? Um, like, I mean, I think in the last few years, there's been recent discussions about, like, who is what stories to tell. And I think when I first heard them, a lot of those discussions sounded a bit ridiculous. Um, so I don't want to say the fact that I initially hear that and it sounds silly as me to completely deny Sam Elliott's claim, but I thought about it and it seems like a very bizarre statement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because 
the West was an entire period of history. If you're talking about an individual experience or story, I think you can make that argument, but an entire historical period, let's just be honest, most modern Americans didn't. I mean, I'm confused what makes Sam Elliott key to, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's I, like I you were... Uh, um, completely... I don't think it says much about you or it says a lot. It says a lot about you if you think Power of the Dog is a film about the American West. I think that's right. just where this story of persona and masculinity and queerness takes place. And that's just yeah. the mask that is used as a, a framing device for what is a much more timeless story. Yeah, and I actually haven't read, I should have done this, but I haven't read the interview. And I, I, I am asking this as a genuine question. And I, I don't mean this as in like, do you think, and like I'm basically, you know, implying that's, I do generally mean this as a question. Do you think some of his hesitation might have to do with the fact that like, you know, for the past, like what, you know, like 50, 60 years, like the Western has created a very mythologized and singular perspective of it? Because I know um, yeah. the YouTuber historian, Kaz Rao, responded it to it kind of by partly joking saying like you know this is just another case of a, a you know old man growing up in John Wayne films and thinking they're a documentary and mm -hmm. I think there is a level of that you know I mean I think there is a level of like the west is an entire time period if it was like a singular event or you know a singular historical movement I could see the argument but the entire west I think that's a case where it's like well research you can do your research to understand that and once again, I mean, I'm not, I understand cultural remnants will remain and I understand, but like, I don't necessarily understand how an American born in 1960, if we're sort of going by this logic as well, I don't know, maybe that's ill informed of me. Um, you know, and I, 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 I guess I want to be careful to saying, but do you think a certain part of it has to do with it? It's like, it's a non-glorified presentation of the West, but it's also a presentation of the West that shows people of color Native Americans, queer people, you know what I mean? Do you think that might have a part to do with it? Why backlash like this is happening? Yeah, I think there's certain. And I don't, I don't know Sam Elliott as a person, but who, um, I think might yeah. not like certain hands, certain certain progressive hands, um, touching his uh, male-dominated, straight male-dominated utopia. Yeah, um, which just just a suspicion yeah i mean i guess we can't know the person i will say one thing i do like how he does give her credit as a good director yeah so i guess i don't know it doesn't sound maybe you could say i think you could argue he words it a bit uh, aggressively but i guess it, it compared to some sometimes what you hear statements from other actors and stuff it sounds a lot less so i guess to be fair i would say the way he's phrased it i think in generally how when hollywood people you know actors critique other filmmakers and stuff i feel there's i don't know i, I i'm wearing this point i i guess to be fair i can't critique it for how he's necessarily framed his criticism you know i guess he's given credit where credit's due to the director um i guess you know two things well three things i'd like to say is this whole argument of like oh someone who's not from america can't make american films it's sort of like a, does he know why the Spaghetti Western is called the Spaghetti Western? Yeah. Uh, I think Mara Wilson pointed something quite well out, which is, is he aware of the, is he aware of Kurosawa? In mm. the sense of, you know, many of the genres 
if we're talking about making a Western movie, like on many of the tropes of the Western came from Kurosawa, a Japanese director in the samurai films. It's like, you know, the Western films have always taken cultural influence and other things and haven't exactly been history to begin with. So it's like, you know, looking at it from that. And I think also one thing that if we're talking about Power of the Dog is a lot of people don't understand that the West had a lot of black and queer history and Latino history, Hispanic mm. history. Um, and I guess this is only tangentially related, but I would really recommend the video by the historian YouTuber Kaz Rao, who when she, they talk about the history of queer um, people in the West. It's a, a very interesting video. Um, I don't know, I guess, I, you know, I don't want to be too um, accusatory of Sam Elliott, but it just seems to me a bizarre comment that also, it just seems ridiculous to talk about an entire historical period that spanned that much time and say that's where, like, I was, you know, I think if individual stories or individual moments of history, that could more be the argument of who has the right to tell this, but it's, and I guess to be fair, in a way, I'm glad these discussions are being had of whose place to tell what story, but in this case, I would, I would disagree with Sam Elliott's perspective on this, and I would say it seems a bit like a kind of out of touch old man, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I just want to have a Thomas Savage, who wrote the book that's based on, was um, American. But then it's it's a it's based on a book. It's come on. It's like, the that's the thing as well. It's like the Western film is fiction. Yeah. The Western film is a fiction and glorification. So to me, a comment like that when it comes to a Western film makes it sound like this guy, you know, believes too much of what he's seen in other Western films. Yeah, it's it's way too. Or it's turning it into something that's exclusive when it never has been yeah yeah it's it's a strange one i guess i want to flip this around like say if there was an american director doing a film about like new zealand or some other country right do you think there could be an argument there it depends what they're doing it on and how they're doing it because i think the reason why if um yeah, I need to look it up to be get it right because I don't want to. The um, I think it just depends what the themes are. If you're the, the Maori, the Maori people, if if someone no, were to, uh, to do a film about that, living if they were American and were to make a film about that culture and those people and their past, it would be slightly questionable. No, okay, no, yes. it wouldn't. It would be questionable. However, because this is this is not the West, the American West, the, the fictionalized version. Cowboys are not. There's no sensitive material because they they were the yeah. they were the they primitive. were the colonizers. Yeah, they were. I guess there's nothing sensitive there, and it's. Again, this is the power of the dog is not a film about the West. It it's it's set there, and yeah, there are hints and there are explorations of it, but it's just it's not that. It's not that at all. It's I about think, the past, yeah. perhaps, and it's all it's 
it's about the present and it's yeah okay yeah just finally final point laying it down my opinion it is <laughs> this is not a film about the west by any means this is a film it's just about masculinity yes I totally see. I think um, also the difference between, say, a film being done about the Maori people, as in like specifically a Maori tribal culture. Yeah. I guess it would be is like it's coming from, you know, it's a group that's generally been affected by colonization and mm. colonizers, and it's like this is a colonizing country that often would that has that history of its media representing it like people like that. And in that, and so even if someone was using maybe American filmic language around an issue around that, you would feel that translation of the way those tropes have affected those people and represented those people. Even if there's complete, you know, genuine harmless attempt being done, but you can see that translating. It's also that whole discussion of it's like, the difference is, is like with the Western, that's not a single group and that's an entire historical period. And that's not once again, a colonized group where if say someone from New Zealand did the film like that history, you know, unknowingly through their tradition of storytelling or their kind of ideas of that could affect the film. You know mm. what I mean? Um, there's that, there's in a whole different, and once again, it's like, yeah, I'm not sure. And I feel also it's sort of like the difference is it's like, there's not a whole history of like Americans not getting to tell Western stories. Yeah. I feel like the difference is while maybe there can more be these discussions of like, well, how come all the stories about this group is coming from people not in this group is because it's that history of that, that history of that story being kind of taken away or that, you know, kind of, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, do. I, um, I would mm. also like to just finish the uh, news section, if you don't mind, by um, quickly mentioning that uh, Dave Grohl, the, the Foo Fighters horror film came out. Um, I don't know whether it's any good, but I just... And will it win any Oscars? Oh, it's going to win them all. Right, let's talk about the main event. Unless unless you've heard something about the Foo Fighters film, which is more interesting. No, that's not going to happen. Now we're talking about Dave Grohl's biggest hit, The Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) So, what did everyone think of this film? I mean... I can explain The Matrix, but I'm sure everyone has heard of it or seen it. It's about a simulation that people are living in, or everyone is living in. And it's a bit confusing, or it was confusing when it came out, but when you look back at it, it's it's not really that confusing. You can kind of wrap your head around it quite easily. But it's confusing when you haven't seen it for three months and you can't remember tiny bits of it (laughs) which connects it all. Is that a confession, Solomon? No, no, I don't know what you mean. I know what I could explain this plot right now. So what happened is Neo. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he has to follow the white rabbit. But I can't remember who comes to him to say he gets not people knock on his door and are like, "You need yeah. to follow the white rabbit." No, and he follows. No. His computer. He has a white rabbit. His computer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, James. It's my podcast. I I know what's going on. Um, Look at me. Look at me. I am the host now. At the party, he finds a white rabbit, and then this woman's like, "Come with me." And then um, Lawrence Fishburne's there with his cool sunglasses, and he's like, "You can take the red pill." 
blue pill. You're missing um, quite a least... lot, but I like how we're doing a speed run. Yeah, 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 it doesn't matter about the whole other stuff. And he takes the red pill, and then he's in the Matrix, and he does some Kung Fu. Um, no, he knows Kung Fu. Well, no, he has to learn it. And then, but if you die in the Matrix, you die in real life. And then Lawrence Fishbourne gets and, uh, and kidnapped. Just for clarification, this life that we are living is the Matrix, not the life that they're going into. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, the Matrix. Yeah, the Matrix is cool. And life we live is boring. And then they save him, and then Neo becomes, like, God, pretty much. He can just do whatever he wants. He can do backflips. He can probably kickflip on a skateboard. <laughs> he can do pretty much anything. And then I'm pretty sure that's the end. Thanks to Sam Elliott, why he's going out the Western genre. Cool. goes into a phone booth, and then he calls someone, and that's the end. And then there's three more films, but I haven't seen any of them. Anyway, what did people think about this film? When did, when did you first watch it? Do you remember when you first watched it? I out. do. I first watched it in the far off year, far back year, distant past year, 2019. Um, I, oh, quite recently. Well, I don't know. Sort of, but sort of not. Uh, I watched it on a portable DVD player, I think. Oh, um, my God. Same. Oh. That's the first time I watched it. It was in, like, maybe 2018 or yeah. 17 instead. But I watched it on a portable DVD player. Yeah. I, um, I didn't really like it then. But, um, same. I, I did re-watch it. I, went, I re-watched it at the local cinema. The, it was quite fun. The group that we used to be, Kino Collective... Um, they, they were showing it um, so I went to support them and I thought Ugh, I don't really think much of the Matrix but I want to support the Kino Collective um, and I ended up actually really loving it second time so there we go I was pleasantly the surprised Ma- The Matrix film for me is conceptually interesting boring to watch actually, like, I, go to, I like a good film with themes I think this film has a lot of fascinating themes, if arguably kind of watered down. We'll get to that, don't worry. Um, but I think to me, the problem is it's just like the acting is so bad. And I think storytelling, and I will admit, obviously, so much of the action of the past about 20 so years has been affected. You know, the landscape has been so affected by the Matrix. So there is a certain level of like, maybe if I saw at the time, I'd see what's so very bad. I'm not that big of an action guy anyway. And to me, I just feel like when I watch The Matrix, it's like, it's interesting to watch a video about or read a wiki about or like read an article about The Matrix is about um, Jean Baudrillard's philosophy or The Matrix is about the trans experience. The Matrix is about capitalism. It's all interesting to hear. But then whenever I'm watching, like, okay, but I feel like I'm having to wade through lengthy chunks and minutes of just like kind of, uninteresting characters really bad acting you you know except for Lawrence Fishburne um our lord and savior um and and just like just yeah really clunky dialogue and acting and all of that and you know I just don't think the action intrigues me or the story intrigues I just doesn't engage me and I wish I had more of a reason why but it's been a bit since I've watched it and I'm not that good analyzing action just ain't it can be seen as quite repetitive not repetitive but 
as you said, people have copied it. So I guess I could sort of see why people think that watching it now think... is not like not as interesting. I do think the film should be granted some points for that, but I do think at the same time, it's still fair for me to think that because if the film was really as great as everyone said, despite this two decades of imitations, it could still hold up. I know that sounds almost arrogant to me, but I think that's generally my philosophy when a film is lauded this this is like a masterpiece. You know, I mean, which so many people do say, oh, you've got to see The Matrix, it's a masterpiece. To me, it's like, masterpiece would be great no matter what year I watched it. And um, I think know, it's, it's a masterpiece of the action genre. And I think for us, a masterpiece is quite different to what the general public would perceive as a masterpiece because... I I know at least speaking for myself because we're built different. That's one way of putting it. Uh, yeah, I was we're film students. We are film students and complete and utter nerds. And perhaps we think the Stalkers um, or the Mulholland Drives are the masterpieces of cinema, whereas the general public will see something that does actually say some stuff and, and does does so in a fun and action-packed way and, and say that is a masterpiece and I, I would be willing to say this is a masterpiece of the action genre uh, to me like, I think I like mainstream stuff more than you I mean to me Jaws is a masterpiece to me Jurassic mm. Park is a masterpiece I think I'm quite more able to appreciate the mainstream genre and I'm able to appreciate a film and I guess again to me going to the same thing with I I have ridiculous standards for what you'll call something a masterpiece, what yeah. will make me call something a masterpiece. And I admit they're ridiculous, and I admit that a lot of the time it does not consider stuff. To call my criteria for calling something a masterpiece does not consider certain contexts or give certain, you know, uh, it isn't as fair as I think any reasonable person would be when looking at a film just in terms of trying to analyse how good was it overall. But to me, a masterpiece is like a it isn't a genre, it isn't a genre thing to me. I'm not sure if I'd say it's a masterpiece of this, I'd just say it's a masterpiece. Uh, I guess once again, all I am is talking for me. Like if anyone thinks the Matrix is a masterpiece, you know, all the all the more power to you. But for me, I feel like a masterpiece works on any level you look at it. Like two definitions for me is almost every element of the filmmaking is working on like a really great level. And also almost any perspective you can look at the film it still works and to me i look at the matrix it's like do i want good characters you know i want some good characters or something or i mean not all, all, all level but so many like, like tons of level. and i look at the matrix like do i get good action for me no not really you know do i get that good a story mm, no not what really film, what film does have good action um I, I mean i guess to be fair i guess i am considering genre in that context aren't i mm. You can't really say many action films are masterpieces because... I mean, most films are, but I guess, to be fair, maybe I'm being pedantic here because no one brought up the context of masterpiece, but I guess we're talking of The Matrix within the context of how much of a cultural legacy it says. And along with why mm. I just didn't like it, I guess I'm also adding to, like, where I view it in, like, terms of, at least in quality of the film. There's no denying its legacy in film history, and I value it for that. But in terms of, like where I think it stands in terms of how largely, main, you know, generally most people talk about, at least most critics talk about it. I wouldn't, this is why I don't align with the general perception of it, you know? Interpretations, I mean, I know there's quite a few to this, 
we actually watched this film in um religious studies in year year nine. What? Really? Yeah, we oh, wow. used to show I totally us this, see that. They used to show us this. I can't remember why. It, there's quite a lot of biblical references in it. And I remember the only bit I can remember is there's a number plate on one of the cars which says something and we had to analyze that bit. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and find we, it. We got shown um, Signs, the M. Night Shyamalan film in Religious Studies. Is that... there, I don't really know why we were shown that, but yeah. That's not the one with the, the aliens, is it? Yeah, it is. And they come to Earth, which is like yeah. 66% water, and then they're allergic yeah. to water. Yeah, yeah, I think they're the first similar. people to ever make that point. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we were... Solomon is completely original. Mm, I am. Yeah, well, I was just trying to get it clear because I get signs mixed up with holes, which is the one where they just dig holes. But uh, I only get it mixed. I don't get the films. I don't get because I haven't seen either of them. But um, they're both like four-letter words: sign and hole. I just want to put two and two together. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about sign up your. We had to watch Truman Show as well, but that's not the point in our religious studies. But um, most of my class teacher would just pop on the DVD every few months because they had no clue what they're doing with the class. No, but what what interpretations are are your most widely sort of believed in about what the uh, Wachowski sisters did? I, I, uh, well. I think part uh, going back to my adoration, not adoration, my my appreciation for this film was I, when I watched it in two thousand nineteen. I was pre, I was, I thought, oh, I, you know, I'm comfortable who I am, but I was just habitually calling myself male, um, and then since realizing that that's not me, and coming out as non-binary re-watching the film not identifying as the gender that i was assigned at birth revealed it revealed a lot and i really appreciated what they were trying to say as directors who would both later come out as trans women but i don't think the film is about the trans experience by any means however i think it cannot or it came from a place that could probably have only been conceived by the mind of somebody who didn't feel like they were living their true life. I feel like with um, films, no, just you can put in like subtle meanings. It doesn't have to yeah. be all about that. It's, it's just these subtle sort of little signs which which can be put into the film and uh, so you can you can see it when, when you watch and if you know about it you can recognize these themes but if you're watching and you hadn't been told then maybe you would never really see them if you hadn't been told about yeah, it or yeah, absolutely. If you hadn't oh, I, been in a certain mindset i especially i find the um I find it so fascinating when there's, um, you know, minority groups I'm not a part of, and to them they're like, this film is so obviously about this. I think especially with um, trans, you know, people and non-binary people outside of the gender spectrum, I find it so fascinating, like, 
I, I see the matrix, but for me, I'm just sort of like, I understand like, you know, I've seen a lot of trans critics have been like, oh yeah, it's so obviously about this. And for me, like yeah. it really took a lot of mental, um, you know, it really took me to figure that out like tons of films. And I find it so fascinating that um, just, you know, you do see a lot of trans critics like, oh yeah, it's obviously that or stuff like that. You know, and I think that's a very interesting case of the matrix. And I think that's so um, fascinating um, with, uh, especially for a film that came out in 1999. You know, um, I guess it's also like when it comes to like, you know, Solomon, you word is what ter- interpretation do you believe? I think that might be a tricky question. And Jay said, like you said, you don't, am I correct? Say you don't think it's a film about the trans experience, but the trans experience is there. No, it's not about the trans experience at all. It, but it is based on it's. It's a story that is told in the world that operates on the same ideas of being transgender. I, from my experience. Sure. And I guess that's the thing with any film. A, I don't think film is a puzzle to be solved. I don't, you know, you know, I think it's like it's up to the audience to decide. And I think a film is about many things. And I guess the thing is for me, what I say I think the film is about comes with the caveat of I think trying to deal with those themes is greatly damaged by falling into the many plot um, uh, potholes of like and failings of like classic mainstream, you know, narrative free act structure cinema when trying to deal with these issues. And I think in many ways it simplifies many issues, but I would say two of the main things that come to mind with me when I think of the matrix is um, a kind of capitalism, you know, everything seeming right and us being doled into a normal world of life and have kind of increasing surveillance and increasing all that and this capitalistic, I think clearly, you know, um, escaping the matrix can be seen as a simple metaphor for like, seeing there's finally something wrong with the world. And I think especially capitalism, like how the film talks about even the regular people here would fight fight with all their will to defend this world because it's the only world they know. And I would also say once again that, um, and this, you know, the film heavily references the work of a French philosopher, Jean Baudrillard, within one of his books is even where Neo Heights is, um, drugs I think it is, and the Morpheus quote, Welcome to the Desert of the Real is lifted directly from one of his books. So going on that, I would also definitely say the film is an attempt to be about um, with how new technology and um, constant media coverage and virtual reality blurs the lines between fiction and reality. Uh, But I think ultimately it falls into too much of a binary perspective of that. But I think definitely it's an attempt at exploring how virtual reality would change our reality as well. It sort of resonates now, doesn't it, with the metaverse? Yeah. I mean, it's the first thing that comes up when <laughs> you look at the. That's the a Wikipedia. good point, but it's funny as well. <laughs> it is funny, no, it is, but um, it's on the Wikipedia page. The first thing that comes up when you look at like see also, it just says the metaverse, because that's essentially what you're looking at. It's like Ready Player One in a way. You're, well, no, you're no, I wouldn't say if we're going with the Matrix. Okay, I, I, I guess I'm it's not. It's being... not about that, no. But if you if you're trying to say how it resonates today, then that sure it it does in that sort of way where we're all just sort of putting ourselves in simulations now to see yeah. because it gives us a better life, and exactly. uh, it, it makes the film. I wouldn't call it timeless, but it makes the film still resonate. It gives with, it a longevity. Yeah, exactly. It it. it matters it still matters today and there's still themes about it i guess to be fair just because some fiction is compared 
by a piece of fiction is inspired by some other work whether fiction or you know non-fiction doesn't mean it's beholden to keep it completely um is beholden to keep it completely um faithful to that so just the fact that the matrix wasn't i guess i should reframe my previous thing just the fact that the matrix is inspired by baudrillard's philosophy doesn't mean it's any deviation in it makes it um makes it um bad i guess for me i'm just saying because the matrix doesn't mean that much to me what i find the most interesting is how it changes that philosophy and other works we shall get to um in the sense to um in the sense to make it more narratively conventional and i think you know that's maybe a problem of the film but i'm not sure if i want to get to that because it will be no doubt a ted talk long tangent and i guess i want to maybe this feels more fitting for the end of the film i want to talk about all the elements of the film because i think the only point i really have is one point but it's kind of feels like something i should say at the end but i guess i do want to at least make sure i say one good thing about the film there's actually that's, that's one deep kind and curious. There's one good thing about the whole film. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, you know, enough. just make well, I mean, um it what ended. I quite liked is um, you know, Morpheus's character is a character who believes greatly in free will and all of this being determined. You know, he believes in the prophecies of the Oracle, you know, the mm. one who's sort of a big part in the revolution. And what I quite like about it is the Oracle's room has a very particular kind of green type of set design. A nice little detail I noticed is throughout the film, Morpheus has a tie that is a similar type of green. And I think that's a really nice, subtle detail that tells you something through the character design, also just maybe tells you more about the character, you know, shows visually how much this means to him, how much this ideology means to him, how much his, this faith means to him. And I kind of think for a film like The Matrix, um, I'm surprised to see something that subtle follow the white rabbit. <laughs> You know, film has the same lines like that, yeah. and you're not, yeah. you're not in Oz anymore. You're not in Kansas anymore, Toto, and stuff like that. Surprised at me. To be fair, I want to say I don't inherently think a lack of subtlety is equals to film being bad. But I guess it's maybe one way where the film doesn't resonate with me. It feels like some interesting ideas, but then it's attached to such. It only ever feels like that to me. An interesting idea with really kind of blank writing of the character saying this is the point i am this you know i mean this is the theme i think it really works philosophy sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you i know i i think the subtlety or the lack of the lack thereof the subtlety really works in this film because yes i think in in our world the it's we are always looking for subtle clues about and it, like, always patterns and, and these small clues that might lead to the resolution of a mystery. And then for all of these big reality bending milestones, like crumbs, the breadcrumbs that lead to this big house made out of sweets and gingerbread is these really obvious things events is something that really appeals to me and i think it's it's a massive contrast that works they the wachowskis just make it work for me i mean there's maybe a point of like a lot of 
maybe other films in this genre are much more like seek for the clues, look for and you'll see where maybe the argument yeah, is yeah. if we look at the film from my perspective as a capitalist metaphor, you can see the point is like it's much more just like look, the world is fucking burning, can we do something? Mm. But then I guess if we were gonna say that, if we look at how much the Matrix has become popular with like conspiracy theory types, could you maybe criticize the Matrix failed in that? Because I would say at the end of the day, it's maybe a bad capitalist metaphor because I think it falls much more into sort of like conspiracy theory talk with Morpheus being like, if you look at it, it's all this sort of determined and your destiny is this. And I would say once again, a big problem with me on the film is it takes do you mind if i go into this big tangent go ahead okay i don't think inherently I'll the, set the a timer is... you got you got oh, yeah yeah go on i can't okay. set a time. i don't do think that, uh... i will set a timer two minutes two minutes no Stop no watch. not two minutes it's got me come on we got listeners who, who... <laughs> ready ready we haven't got listeners Okay, I don't think just because the film is based on the philosophy of John Baudrillard, the film should be uh, beholden to his philosophy. But I think if we look at what his philosophy said and what the Wachowski sisters took into it, you see maybe some flaws in the film. Baudrillard didn't talk about, oh, there's the real world, then there's the virtual world. What he talked about is we're living in such a state where the binary has been broken. We're trapped in that constant state. He talked about how the Gulf War was the very first war that could be completely conceptualized through the media and American control. It talked about how we've now at a point where, you know, those who want to kind of have more power over us, they want to make it easier for a soldier to kill. They can make the training look like a video game or like a simulation. And then they can make the actual act of dropping a, you know, using a drone look as much like the simulation as possible. It's that thing of that constant general systems taking over this more complex thing that needs real systemic change and i think ultimately the matrix does make it a complete binary of taking the red pill and take the blue pill and i think maybe look if you don't mind that that's fine if you like that's fine and i will say maybe there's a value in it taking this more mainstream philosophy this obscure philosophy and mainstreamifying it you know probably led a lot of people to learn the more complex version of it but for me if i think about it i think how maybe that shows a damage on the film that like as i was saying earlier with a lot of films trying to be about narrative, you know, trying to be about anti-capitalist, but only trying to be mainstream, they can still only fall into a very like, you know, it turns it into one villain, it turns it into one issue, it doesn't look at the system as a whole. And the end of the film, it's basically like, hooray, you know, capitalist oppression is stopped by a white guy with a gun going into a place and shooting a bunch of people. And look, I know it's a, you know, trans-coded character, but only, you know, mainstream audiences would get it wouldn't necessarily think about that you know what I mean it still turns all these issues into a conflict you know into a, a conflict to solve with a gun you know and I think it maybe simplifies and I guess that's just coming from my perspective and again I do wonder do I will I think this if I just didn't find the film so boring you know but I guess that's just me I think the film could be more interesting if it understood that philosophy more worked into it more and just sort of looked at them and I think maybe didn't turn the film into just a punchy shooty shoot fight for the fate of the world but I guess that's up to the individual and maybe I'm I'm sure there's films like that though I'm sure you probably named some films which are a bit more serious in the matters of like the matrix well not the matter or whoever the work you were talking about 
Uh, well, that was <laughs> funny yeah. enough. Um, but there, there, I'll get to that definitely... later. There's definitely um, you know, you should have explained because I I just googled the the thing you're talking about the guy's work, and he even he doesn't really agree that the Matrix accurately re- represented it. Um, yeah, which again I, I, I don't necessarily say that makes it bad, but I guess it's like to me, it's interesting to think about why the Matrix doesn't resonate with me. Maybe some of it, twenty years later, its flaws in maybe failing to really explore these issues. Sorry, yeah, I, I, I can't really comment on um, how accurate it is to what he wanted, it, it, his sort of ideas. But, I mean, yeah, you, I guess you sort of got a point how they were trying to, they were inspired by this person's work and the person said you failed, or not failed, but you haven't really done it right. Um, and so I think with that, you you, you are kind of right to say that the ideas which it's trying to put across it's not wrong but it's done in the way they've done it is not sort of how it should have been or how it was intended I guess uh, maybe you could say more to me there was more potential to do it more accurately but from my yeah. understanding I believe the fourth one might do that more from my understanding I've heard the fourth one is maybe more a deeper looking to that who knows I mean they may the, the directors may just like the guy's work and also like guns and shooting and karate and stuff Fair like enough. that. <laughs> I mean, you could thought... see a value of exploring it. Maybe it's like, well, we both want to make a fun action film and we want to explore this philosophy. Yeah, maybe exactly. It's like maybe if we make it this more simple philosophy, that's definitely an argument also, to be made. They, know, they probably know that that would make it mainstream and a studio probably would have backed that better than backing some sort of artsy film where they went in and just explored this whole matrix sort of thing with our action. Cause at the time probably they wanted action films. I'm sure it was, what year was it? 1999, 99. That's when there were so many action films coming out. It was like the big thing at the time, the Hollywood studio, especially with the, the Marvel rise as well. I don't even know what studio the matrix came out on. Um, I think it was Warner Brothers. Yeah, Warner Brothers. Yeah, Warner Brothers, and they're not. I don't think Warner Brothers have any sort of big superhero. Any any it's sort fair, of. It wasn't like the that. superheroes. It wasn't the superheroes yet, was it? Oh, wait, well, it was. Batman. It was the Blade. Yeah, it was Batman and Blade was that coming was, out then. I wouldn't really compare that to Marvel of now. That was still like. Blade is a couple Marvel. more like one every few years. Mm. I'd say X Men and stuff like that. And I think yeah, I studios studios were trying to. I I might be wrong, but I think there's a valid attempt to for this studio to put out a film like that and trust these people to make a, a good film which audience would like, and obviously they did because I mean it was classified as one of the best sort of films of that time. In that time, yeah. I don't think it might not be sort of the same now, but for a few years, people would have probably said that's pretty good film it's like our um our, our version of the joker our best film of <laughs> past 10 years yeah yeah this film is a joke it's, uh, it's like the matrix is joker 2.1.0 i <laughs> we live in a society <laughs> it is it's a we live in a society <laughs> film 
It kind of is. <laughs> it is. Oh, can't I can't deny it. <laughs> he sort of is as well. I was joking about that, but he, especially with the whole capitalism thing. Oh, you need to escape the real world. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Where do we go from there? You talked a lot about um, this sort of like, oh, I guess a work could do this. I guess a work could do this. I'm curious. Did you know that there was a uh, much more obscure underground piece of art or fiction that the creator has many times um, accused the Wachowski sisters of ripping them off? I, do, I, I think I am aware of what this is. Well, interesting. In uh, the early 90s, classic um, modern day reincarnated god chaos magician and um comic classic comic book writer grant morrison was writing a series called the invisibles and he it had a very similar aesthetic um it had a very similar idea of this kind of secret world in the society and what's very interesting is they very much cla- it started much more of like a matrix type film but as the series went on the character that was based on him uh, in an ep- in an issue got brutally hurt and then he got brutally hurt in real life in the same way so he decided to start writing a happier comic and he ended up making the series instead of an action flick about taking over the people taking over the world sort of maybe more a meditation of like entire systems and becoming one and changing a whole society and i think their quote they had on the whole issue really makes me interesting to think about before while the matrix feels like so many people feel like the matrix created genre and i'm not to say that i'm not saying that it doesn't earn some credit for putting a lot of these ideas into the mainstream uh, it's interesting about the matrix is this quote seems to imply there's a lot of work that took the basic idea of the matrix and delved a lot deeper in it okay so here's a quote from an artist who feels that their comic book series the invisibles was essentially ripped off by the matrix um they even, funny enough, they even claimed that the Matrix was, uh, his, their book was in the pitch meet for the Matrix. Um, suddenly I felt my territory invaded. There was stuff that nobody had ever been doing in comic books or in pop culture. It was always there that the under, it was always there in the underground because that's where I'd come out of. But suddenly it was everywhere. You kind of feel that the um, gazers have come out to your watering hole and are drinking in your water. So for me, it was the end of the invisibles, a kind of farewell to that and trying to move forward into a different way of thinking, a different way of working, because the comic was becoming a set of cliches, you know, the group who oppressed strangers, strange forces from other dimensions, the invented, invited ones who stand between us and the dark side. So many of these things started to crop up. The invisibles, the invisibles was on the set of the matrix. People who were there have told me the Wachowskis are comic fans they were vertigo fans in particular i think that's interesting because i guess i feel like often media talks about the matrix is just like there was none of these ideas and then the matrix came out and we knew about the concept of red and blue pills and i don't think that's necessarily the wachowski sisters fault but i think it's an interesting thing and i guess i just found that interesting I, think I guess was, what I'm getting at is I find so much stuff surrounding the Matrix way more interesting than the Matrix. I I I think we all have had a thought, even if you, you've seen the Matrix or you haven't, haven't, like a thought that what if life was just a dream and I'm asleep right now and 
I'm imagining this all. I feel like the idea of the Matrix isn't that hard of an idea to sort of come up with. Um, I feel the aesthetic and the general exploration that it took, though, was maybe never used in this way, and that's why the claim that they ripped it off would be so serious. But I totally see what you're saying. I think it's totally possible they just had a similar general idea. But I also, I guess, still, I just more want to say, I get what you mean. The Matrix is built off a lot of common and not that hard to come up with ideas, but I think the way they did it felt revolutionary. And I think that's interesting to maybe look at what inspired it. Sorry, I, I totally interrupted you there. I just wanted to... That was one of my questions. What do you think made it so popular? And I guess it is sort of this whole thing that you're on about there. What, what did make it so popular? I guess people wanted to see... Well, and that's what we talked about. What, what was popular? What sort of stuck out in the film? What sort of scenes? stuck out because i know the one that's the most popular one is when he um just the zoomy arms and he goes backwards the one where what's her name the main female character i always get i forget her name trinity where she jumps in the air and it's you know the camera freezes and then it kind of does that move because i know um that shot, I do, that's one of the few things I understand about the film. That I always know that, I always understand that it did a lot of new stuff, but I don't always know what particular. From my understanding, that is like one of the real things of like, you know, it took a kind of just to have like a ca- bunch of cameras to get all of it. That was a real revolutionary thing. And I mean, that's the kind of thing that even before I knew what The Matrix was, I'd seen that shot parodied so many times. And that the thing is, is like, you go into a club now, like there's a, a club near where we live, and you go in there and you can get a picture taken on a camera like that. You can go into a special room and they'll take a picture of you. Because that's how they did it, isn't it? They had loads of cameras all in all in the circle. The I circle think yeah. yeah, and you, basically what you do is you go in and then you, you get a picture and they take all at the same time. And then you've got a 360 degree picture. And yeah. 20, what year is it? around 20 years ago that was revolutionary and now that's something common which we all have i definitely think that's one of the things that made it famous Mm. i think they used techniques which weren't commonly known before and made them known basically and that's sort of why you see it all done now and that's why like you said james it isn't as impressive because they started it and they probably didn't start it i'm sure people did things like that before them but this was the matrix and this was the film which was just incredibly popular for an action film and i reckon bringing bringing back or bringing up again the um transgender themes not theme connotations yes the connotations to it i think at a time in a time like 1999 when being transgender, being, I think even being gay, being part of the LGBT community was not nearly as easy as it is today. It was, it was a piece of media that I guess if people watched it, like I saw it and just thought, yeah, this is the most obvious thing in the world. This is definitely made by, by two people who identify in in that community and it's one it's a piece of art that will resonate with you because you're not alone with it there's um examples of who i brought up in last episode actually anna calvey who did the music for the souvenir 
um, before publicly coming out as gay in 2018, released two albums which people, some people just instantly saw as, okay, the, this is, these are albums by a lesbian who is writing songs about that experience. But for people, for the straight people, for people not in that community, they were just albums about feelings. And then after she came out, everyone looks back on it and is like, oh, okay, brilliant. Um, and the third album was all about that and was very public about it. And it's fantastic and you should listen to Hunter. Um, but I think it's that, it's, it's comfort and it's finding something that you can hold on to and go back to, to remind you that you're not alone. I think in a time like 1999, yes, that that was paramount for many, many people. Definitely. I would also say, and I've said this in a critical sense, and I guess if I was to look at the other side of it and see it's possibly a positive of the Matrix, I think you could say it was also maybe the first mainstream representation of certain um, new emerging things, I'd say certain mm. counterculture movements, because I guess Grant Morrison hates it for this, and I know this is just one micro example of this, I doubt The Invisibles is the reason that it got big, but I feel like, you know, it was a film that probably had a lot of references a film that had a to kind of movies. cyberpunk genres, hacker oh, yeah. genres, um, sub no, cyberpunk, you know, subcultures, hacker subcultures, rave subculture, I'd say internet mm. subculture, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I yeah. guess I could see how that could be a value. And I think, you know, I think as time has got on, generally we've looked at subcultures being put into the mainstream. There's been more criticism of it's like, is that a really good thing or is that a commodity? Yeah, you know, conversations you've heard every time you put a video essay on. Um, but, you know, like all of that. But I think for the time, and I think another thing is, it's, it might seem like it was one of the few films, one of the earlier films to look at the internet as a way to bring people together. Yeah. And to be more honest, I think, you know, a thing is like most of the characters um, in the film, you know, all of their names are based on their um, computer names, aren't they? Their computer um, profile names. And like, well, once again, that could be seen and probably possibly was intended as a uh, trans metaphor. I think it could also just be seen as a thing for once again, the Internet's power to um, connect anyone feeling isolated or lonely, you know, the film kind of talks to that and I guess again with anyone feeling isolated and lonely the narrative like yes something is greatly wrong or like you know you were the one to set things right or you know being the outsider actually makes you on the right path the chosen one mm -hmm. or adding to that I guess that could be a valuable narrative and I guess all of these are kind of vague things that like saying it out loud now it maybe sounds like oh that inherently doesn't sound that special because a lot of media does maybe the chosen one or being different narrative but like within the context of where it came out, talking to the trans experience, and again, maybe considering and representing several subcultures, it felt more resonant for people. And I guess maybe also it was a film that was just, well, had such subtleties in it about certain things, was so blaringly obvious about um, other things. I guess maybe that could be nice, of just like the, because I guess I feel like maybe other films that saw, trying to think how to work with, it felt it built it was built in so much it seemed to be built in a lot of counterculture and a lot of uh, with the trans allegory you know and maybe and just maybe discussions of lg you know subtext of lgbt issues it could feel like these things that were only ever talked about in allegory but never necessarily talked about positively and it's like 
the culture around the film is subtle, but maybe like the message of, you know, that being good thing, this culture being a good thing, you know, being trans being a good thing is obvious because so much of the film praises Neo. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Or if I just fucking ramble for 10 minutes? I think both of those things are Yeah. True. So I would be perfect for the Matrix 5. Yeah. Yeah. Wachowski's if you're it sounds listening. weird, doesn't it? Five. Five <laughs> of them. Matrix yeah. five. They made four of them. I can't quite I mean, comprehend that. I think one's enough for me as much as I mm. didn't like it. I'm kind of curious to watch the sequels because I heard the sequels. I think the really... sequels probably miss out on what made the first ones great. I think you probably can't dig Maybe. into them as much. I, I mean, you can watch some feedback to us next next time. I'm Maybe very I'll fascinated to see. I'm very fascinated to see the fourth one though because it's like that is a film that seem almost seems to be about the Matrix itself. You know what I mean? Because I feel like the Matrix is so much about reality and all of that. And I think it's interesting how the Matrix has been so co-opted by a lot of right-wing groups and also if you if you believe the philosophy of John Baudrillard the matrix has essentially become what it's talked about it's become another part of our cyber reality our simulation which melds with the real reality you know maybe um, it's all a distraction yeah a real matrix Ooh. yeah they find the first guy in some glasses and a um, suit and beat him up to free ourselves from the matrix. Anyway, I, I have a question. I don't know. Does anyone else have anything else to say? Ask your question. Do you think we're living in a simulation? No. I don't think it matters. <laughs> that's a good that's answer. True. That is a good that answer. Is, that is a good answer. Because it's like the Enjoying whole a simulation. Whole experiment of like, oh, are we just a brain and a vat, or are we just, you know, being toyed with by an evil demon it's like well it's our immediate reality and when you get down to it, even if this isn't a simulation our perceptions aren't exactly an accurate representation of reality you know we're not what seeing we the colors. some people are seeing more colors you know our smell and angle is going to change everything no one's ever seen a chair objectively right so it's sort mm-hmm. of like it once you accept that once you accept that you understand that all reality is your as Kant said your immediate the well, real world like is just psychedelic drugs. No, the real it. world, the real world is just the world that you have the most immediate experience to. So you might as well call this the real world. What about psychedelics, though? What if? Well, funny enough, the right DMT, the, um, the LSD, the right of the Invisibles, claims that psychic drugs allowed them to t- talk to aliens that helped them show the world for the fourth dimension. And see yeah, but then they wake really up is. and they ended up in a bin on the high street. No, 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 <laughs> I didn't talk to aliens. I was no, they woke up her. and started, no, no, apparently it cured their cancer and gave them the power to cure cancer in cats. Yeah, but this is this is also the same sort of pe- the same drug which makes people jump off balconies because they think they can fly. I think, mm-hmm. I think, I don't think it opens up much except your. You don't know that whatever effects it does on your brain. I mean, I mean like, probably... I Next yeah, episode, yeah. let's we'll try it. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> so, Solomon, do you have any? What, yeah, well, what like... is... Are we... Um, am I jumping I'm, the gun asking what's the next episode? Oh, I was just going to say... I'm, no, I'm no, it's probably pro. a good idea. The keynote, the Sound of Vision podcast is a pro-psychedelic podcast. Open your mind's eye. See a new reality, get a new perspective. But what are we talking about next week? We are talking about... We're not meant to talk about it, Jay. 
That's true. Um, That's next rule week number one. We are going to be looking at David Finch's um, very controversial um, fight club. I'm not going to be hosting. Arthur Frost is going to be hosting. Um, it will be good fun. So see you in the basement of an abandoned building. Um, Helena Bottom Father will be there. Bellatrix. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you in the morning. Chaos magic. Yeah. You can control reality. Do it. This episode of the Sound of Vision podcast was edited by Grace Smith.